Not only do people hop in between just the Baptist churches, but they hop interdimensionally. Interdimensionally. Interdimensional. Wow. dimensions. I would like to learn how I'm to I'm sure there are some churches where you do feel like you're entering another dimension. Yeah. I can lock hand in hand with the Catholic Church sure. to say abortion's bad. Sure. You know, I can lock arm in arm with this church to fight right. human trafficking. But I don't think our message has been clear enough denominationally to say, but this is why we are distinct Mm. from the Methodists or distinct from Presbyterians or whatever it might be. There are reasons that we're distinct from them. That's why we don't worship together on Sunday morning. Yes, I can do this with them, but I can't melt our churches together to have a Sunday service together. Welcome to Pastors of the Roundtable. We're grateful that you're able to join us this week. Um, we're going to continue our study of the uh, screw tape letters, going into letter 16 this week. We looked at letter 15 last week, and we're going to dive into uh, letter 16 this week. Um, Pastors of the Roundtable here is the discipleship podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. It is brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. Together, we want to encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. Again, our usual cast of characters, Tim Michelangeli, lead pastor of MMBC, Scott Slater, family pastor, Matt Bates, music and media pastor, and my name is Spencer Snow. I'm the discipleship pastor here at the church. Uh, guys, we want to look at letter 16 this week from the Screw Tape Letters. Um, and, and last week we saw the... Um, Screwtape writes to Wormwood, his his nephew, and he writes to him about wanting people to be focused upon the future and not focus upon the present and upon eternity. This week, he turns to a different topic and about how to how best to tempt um, and spiritually attack this Christian, and that relates to his church going habits, his church going habits. He uh, opens up the letter here in letter 16 and says, My dear Wormwood, you mentioned casually in your last letter that the patient, talking about the Christian, has continued to attend one church and one only since he was converted and that he is not wholly pleased with it. May I ask what you are about? Why have I no report on the causes of his fidelity to the parish church? Do you realize that unless it is due to indifference, it is a very bad thing? Surely you know that if a man can't be cured of church-going, the next best thing is to send him all over the neighborhood looking for the church that suits him until he becomes a taster or connoisseur of churches. So Screwtape writes to Wormwood and says, there's a problem here. Your patient, this Christian, has been going to one church and only one church since he was converted. And the worst thing about it is, is he actually doesn't agree with everything that goes on at that church, but he still goes to it. (laughs) He's dedicated to something, even though it doesn't, quote, suit him in every way and all of his preferences. He says he's not wholly pleased with it, but he stays going to this one parish church. Now, I think it's important, real quick, for background to this letter to remember that C.S. Lewis himself was an Anglican, which means he was, whenever he was living in England, he was a member of the Church of England, which is a state church mm-hmm. um, in England. So whenever he talks about the parish church, that's what he's talking about. A, a, a modern, a, um, 
the the version that we would have in the United States of an Anglican church would be um, the Episcopal Church, which would be quite liberal today. But there are other Anglican churches as well in the U.S. Um, that are more conservative than uh, many Episcopal churches um, and as a, and the denomination as a whole. But that's just kind of real quick, a little background of what he's talking about here in this letter. Um, guys, have you encountered people like this who, instead of attending one church and one church only, they actually become tasters and connoisseurs of churches going all over the neighborhood looking for that exactly right church that suits their uh, desires, preferences, um, in every way. Have you encountered people like that? And, and how would you um, encourage them or talk to them or engage with them? Yeah, we, uh, where we came from, me and my family, we were a new church in town. And so we drew a lot of people to our church. We found out some years after that we started to wise up to it that a lot of the people that would come to our church were actually just church members of other churches that were looking for a new church mm. because there was something they were unsatisfied with in their old ones. So we we as pastors developed a habit of as soon as we would meet a, a new family of asking them, you know, if they currently are members of other churches and just really quickly try to identify, well, why are you not going there anymore? Mm. And just be very upfront with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, And if they ever told us because it was something they didn't like or something or whatever, we would almost always tell them to go back and reconcile with their church mm. before they can. Because people, you know, disgruntled people coming all together usually tend to stay disgruntled. Mm. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so we experienced a lot of that. Mm. So, Yeah, I think it's common. I mean, pretty regularly out here of people doing this, you know, they'll may, maybe not say it in this light like hey we just church hop you know and go around they don't say that but it's um when you talk to them you see that they go to this church because their mom goes there so they'll Mm -hmm. go with them some or their aunt goes out here so we go and tend out here we got some friends who go there so we like to go to church with them sometime we like this pastor over here you know we like the Mm -hmm. music that's over at this one so we just like to go around and we're all the family of god you know it's good to see everybody in the family of god but you know, this is our home church here. This is where our membership is. Mm. And uh, they they bring it about in a light that it's good. Mm. You know, that, I don't know, that we'll be pleased with them for, like, being ambassadors to these other right. places They're or almost, something. They, they almost have an <laughs> apostolic complex that it's their job to keep all the churches um, united. I mean, uh, one of the things he says, there is a bad reason to stay at one church and one church only. He says mm-hmm. here, do you realize that unless it is due to indifference, it is a very bad thing? And there's a, there can be bad reasons to stay at a church. Sure. You know, and, uh, and we do want people to know that there are good reasons to leave a church. Like what? Like, you know, if it's based upon uh, the, the preaching of the Word of God is not taking place. Um, if baptism and the Lord's Supper are not being administered the way that you think the Bible says to do that. That's a, that's a valid reason. Yeah. Or if there's no, you know, if sin is not being dealt with as far as, you know, we think about uh, church discipline, but if, if there's no real application of the Word of God to people's lives in a way that is totally harmful, then we have to question whether or not there is a healthy or even a true church mm-hmm. there because it is possible for churches to degenerate and become almost no church yeah. at all, right? 
Um, and so it, uh, people then will go and do what, what Lewis here writes. They'll go all over the neighborhood looking for the church that suits them. Mm-hmm. And they become church critics, almost like a person who goes to different restaurants and yeah. writes for the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, Do you know the history, Spencer, of like when he was writing, how many churches would have been around for them to church hop, like you said, you know, you talked about this was the Church of England. Mm-hmm. How many, how many of those churches would have been? I guess in my mind, I would have thought back then it would have been like this town has one Church of England in it, mm. and they all go there. But it's, right. I mean, he was in a bigger town. He was in London, right? Yeah, I'm assuming. I don't know. So maybe there was a bunch more. Yeah, it said your parish, so I'm sure there was probably, you know, especially in in London, for instance, there would have probably been tons of congregations of parish churches of the Church of England, but then, yeah. of course, there would have been Baptists and Methodists and congregational churches right, and, right. Okay. Um, you know, lots of those, um, all sorts of different kinds. Because um, it wasn't too, I mean, I guess it was a while back, but where, you know, you went to the church in your town. Right. That's kind of what it was. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Right. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People didn't travel as far as much as far or as much as mm-hmm. we do now. Yeah. Sure, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But now, like in Monroe, I mean, there's churches everywhere. Yeah, sure. Well, and I and think not only do people hop in between just the Baptist churches, but they hop interdimensionally, interdimensionally, interdimensional. Wow, dimensions. I would like to learn. How I'm to sure do there that. are some churches where you do feel like you're entering another dimension. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, interdenominational, <laughs> right? And there's a lot of good questions about that because um, that's uh, there, there's so many um, uh, there's something for everybody, so to speak. Um, that's one of the things that's interesting about living in a country with no established religion. And what I mean by that is we don't ha- we've never <clears throat> at the founding of our country. Uh, the United States explicitly said we don't want a federal church mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. for the federal government to run. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's made it to where... But you have the freedom to, right. to worship in any... Well, not any way, right. but in, in different ways. Right, yeah. You, you could, it allowed for a lot of variety and a lot of different mm-hmm. forms. And, um, and so it actually then, one of the things that happened, though, then um, is probably that further multiplied all the different churches mm-hmm. that you would have in a community. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, anyway, that's kind of interesting. He, he talks about why church hopping or, and um, just going around and always waiting for that right church that suits you can be so harmful. And the first thing he says is, is interesting, and this is kind of uh, interesting because we we're, we're pastors at a Baptist church. Um, and he says this, In the first place, the parochial organization should always be attacked. Because being a unity of place and not of likings, it brings people of different classes and psychology together in the kind of unity the enemy desires. The congregational principle, on the other hand, makes each church into a kind of club, and finally, if all goes well, into a coterie or faction. So right away, and this is where we would, it would be interesting to engage with, you can see C.S. Lewis, first of all, is a Church of England mm-hmm. churchgoer because he's a part of a church that has parochial organization. So the church is divided up um, in, in different, um, different spaces. And so he says that um, the congregational principle 
is to be encouraged and the parochial organization is to be attacked because he says here, according to Screwtape, that the parochial organization is a place that's a unity of place and not of likings. And what he means by that is it's a church that is put in a place and it brings people together of all sorts of backgrounds mm-hmm. and tastes, um, not simply because they um, like the same style of music or they like to read the right. same kind of books or they're in the same class. Right. Economically, but they're united. They're united by, by and, lo, and here he says yeah. by place and location and and therefore in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, is there something that we can learn from that? Because as Baptists, we would be falling under the congregational principle. So what can we learn from that? Without obviously, we're not going to divide up Monroe into different parishes of Baptist churches. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think it's good because it points out. Uh, a negative tendency that can happen in a congregational church. And you got to make sure that you're not becoming that, mm. like a club or just people who all are of the same socioeconomic place and that's who you reach and that's just what you do and you don't go out of that, you don't care about anything else. That, mm-hmm. that is a danger, I think, that you have to guard against. But, I mean, I would say that with any, with any uh, form of government or anything, there's downfalls, right? Mm-hmm. There's pitfalls to it. And so... Um, we just have to be careful of that and be held accountable to that, I think, mm-hmm. together. Um, and then I guess the accountability that you put in place will differ from different places. And then if you're true to that accountability structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these are hopefully, like in our scenario, these are hopefully questions church leadership is asking, mm-hmm. right? And that we're, we're seeking out. You know, Are we doing our best to reach out to all people to ask, to tell them, you know, what Christ has done for them. Or are we getting pigeonholed? Now, I mean, on the same side, though, churches, I think, are going to be, certain churches are just going to be good at some things or called to some things uh, that others that others aren't. You know, we, we have a food closet here, but we don't necessarily strive to do that all over the place. Um, but there's a reason for that, right? Because of where we're located and different things. Right. It just doesn't, doesn't fully work all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like when we were back at Wadsworth, like mm-hmm. we had a an open, I don't know what to call it, uh, a kitchen mm-hmm. that we opened up for the community. But so. that worked because we were like downtown. Yeah, our location. Yeah, location worked. Really mm-hmm. did. But when we moved out here, that, I mean, kind of quit immediately because we no longer had the location that right. really worked right. for. Yeah, and I think even with C.S. Lewis, what he's talking about, he's living in a perfect scenario of parochial because like where we are, I would say the closest thing to that would be the Catholic Church, right? But there's tons of Catholic churches you can go to, and I'm sure certain people go to this one and certain Mm -hmm. people go to this, and they have their reasons for it, right? So there's a danger there even amongst them, the same same type of thing that hopefully their higher-ups are looking at and trying to deal with, right? It'd be the same here. Yeah, Do you know if all the, the Catholic churches in Monroe and Erie and, and are the, are they all the same diocese? Yeah, I, I believe so. Yeah. Detroit, probably. Yeah, Detroit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I didn't. I don't yeah, know. Their how schools that works. are all kind of together. Under. The same it, it's thing. interesting you said that too because I was um, talking with somebody here in the church recently and we were talking about um, uh, churches and he was pointing out that this so I mean actually they were 
they were actually Roman Catholic churches, but he was pointing out that the, these different congregations, this one was maybe more blue collar, and that one yeah, would be yeah. more white collar. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I thought that that was interesting mm-hmm. that even people that, which the churches are not far apart from each other, distance wise, driving wise. Mm-hmm. But um, they attracted a, and for some reason, and I don't know what the reasons would be, but they just had a different um, clientele. I don't know. They attracted, a di- or for some reason, a different types in, of people went to those churches. Yeah. Um, and so that, that was an interesting insight that he, he provided. Um, and so we always want to try to make sure that uh, whatever we're doing as a church, um, we're not... Uh, we're not just devolving into either a young people's church or an older people's church mm-hmm. or, or whatever. Um, we just want to follow the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And um, if we do that, then we should attract people of all kinds and mm-hmm. backgrounds and ages. Um, and he says in the second place, he says the, uh, the second uh, harmful thing, he says, looking for a suitable church will actually turn this Christian into a critic instead of a listener. Mm-hmm. He says the man... Uh, he says, the man, uh, look, the search for a suitable church makes the man a critic where the enemy wants him to be a pupil. What he wants of the layman in, the church, in church is an attitude which may indeed be critical in the sense of rejecting what is false or unhelpful, but which is wholly uncritical in the sense that it does not appraise, does not waste time in thinking about what it rejects, but lays itself open in uncommenting humble receptivity to any nourishment that is going on. I think what he's pointing out here is whenever we're hearing the message, whenever we're attending church, we don't want to come in with just a super critical attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean necessarily that if you attend, if you visit a church that you have to stay there, but there is a difference in attitude that, you, and, and we've all met people like this too. And I think, you know, maybe as pastors, we might be prone to this too. I, I think I could be, is I can be very critical of judging everything that's going on because you're kind of in the church business, so yeah, to speak, right? Sure. And so people can, and, and I think that that can also be other, there, there can also be certain people that can be more prone to just um, mm-hmm. listening to a sermon. They're going to put... Even they're not going to give the most charitable judgment of your words if you're a, if you're preaching a sermon or if you're talking up front. Sometimes just because yeah. we can develop this attitude um, that can be kind of critical mm-hmm. instead of uh, appreciating what's going on. So one of the things I think is kind of maybe newer. I, I, this might have been happening back then when this book was written, but not. But we mentioned people jumping to different denominations rather cavalier. With no no issues about it, right? And that's probably the biggest problem for me that mm-hmm. I see with people church hopping. I could understand going from a Catholic church to a Catholic church to a Catholic church right. to a Catholic church, yeah. Because you're you're going into these, you know their theology, yeah. and you know where they stand. And if you're a Catholic, you know I'm going to agree mm-hmm. with the theology here, yeah. Right? Um, if you're Methodist or whatever, I know they have different. Denominations mm-hmm. within that, but if you're a United Methodist and you go to this one, and the, right. you kind of know. Same with Southern Baptists, you should kind of know somewhat. Now, there's even within the Southern Baptist denomination, there are different spectrums of what you sure. might hear. There might yeah. be some more that are liberal than others, mm-hmm. or uh, have different soteriology than others, or whatever. But that's always rubbed me the wrong way when I hear people church hopping. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, well, 
yeah, we really like it here at the Baptist church, but we also like going to the Church of Christ church sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait a second. The, the salvation that they're saying is very different than the salvation that mm-hmm. we're saying. They're taking right. baptism. It's like, so that's a problem right off the bat. Right. That should, we shouldn't even be having this conversation, right. but that, that seems to be uh, being watered down a lot mm-hmm. more today of looking at the theology yeah. of things. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's happened here for a really long time. Um, people attending here, or attending a Church of God mm-hmm. church. That's been very common yeah. here since I've been right. here, since I can remember. And that's a, that's a pretty good di- difference in theology mm-hmm. of what is believed between this Southern Baptist church yeah. and then the Church of God mm-hmm. church. But it's pretty just like, yeah, but it's okay. Right. And it's like, no, that, that starts to, that causes me to worry more so sure. than if somebody said, well, you know, I went to this Baptist church, I went to the Baptist church, I like their music, this, like, I have problems with that, but at least the theology probably should be the same sure. mm-hmm. amongst those churches where this other type of hopping is very, is very different. Mm-hmm. And why do you think, <clears throat> this is, and I think this is, uh, this is maybe going to get us a little off topic, but why do you think that they can go to, di- like, these uh, people that you have in mind, why would they go from a a Baptist church to a Church of God church, and then maybe go to some Baptist non-denominational church. church. Yeah, church. Yeah. Uh-huh. What is it that is the common denominator for them in all of these things? Because apparently those doctrinal emphases that you see are not necessarily what maybe they see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just curious, what are you thinking is... I think a big one's music, just okay. music in general. Right. I think the next one is when they're looking and judging a pastor... <clears throat> They're not necessarily judging the theology that's being taught. They're judging what is he giving me that I can do when I leave? How is he making me feel? Do I feel a connection? Does he make me laugh? Is mm. he easy to listen to? You know, right. is he enjoyable to listen to? Right. And so those are the types of right. people and that they get drawn Paul, to. Paul tells Timothy, make sure people enjoy, <laughs> right. you know, tickle their ears Yeah, often. But yeah. I mean, that's, I just think that's... <laughs> He says to do that, right? Yeah, I think so. You're right, that was sarcasm. I think all those things can be wrapped up into entertainment. Because that all of those things have an entertaining factor with them. I think there's that, but I think I would add to it too, just like a a feel good. I, I know the entertainment side, but also like a something of a moral, something of a morality it's thing th- to it's give therapeutic. me therapeutic. Yeah, yeah, like an entertainment yeah. slash yeah therapeutic thing to where therapeutic theism. I don't even moral. think people always Moralism. are necessarily yeah. looking to leave happier or anything, yeah. mm-hmm. but. You know, right. did you give me something that I feel like, right. all right, that's going to help me get through my week? Like, yeah. right. I can fix this in my life, or right. this isn't that big of a deal in my life now. Right. And to be honest, there's a lot of good speakers out there who can do that. Mm-hmm. But if you listen to them through a biblical lens and theologically, right. then there becomes a, an issue. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you said how you can be very judgy. I'm the same way, but if I were to go to a church of God or a Methodist church or a Catholic church and sit in, I'm not going to be as judgy because I'm going in knowing (laughs) I don't agree with what this is going to say. Right. 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 Um, As opposed to if I go to a Southern Baptist church who I'm aligned with and I go sit in there and all of a sudden I'm like, wait a second, that's off what he's saying. That doesn't align with (laughs) what I believe. Now I'm having more more issues but i expect that when i go other places now the whole 
non-denominational thing adds a whole new wrinkle because I don't know what I'm walking into. Right. Am mm-hmm. I walking right. into a Pentecostal church? Am I walking into a... Right. Bat- I don't have right. no idea. I think one of the things that's interesting, and this is... Uh, this is is it even a church? Yeah, I don't, well, yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question, too. I think one of the things that's interesting is you see how... Um, all of these church denominations and backgrounds have actually pushed aside the distinctions they have that originally made them different denominations, and you get just this generic blend of evangelical Christianity mm. that people so people are willing to go do that. And I think that's just interesting that and part of that is is because um, we haven't taught people in churches about what they should believe and why it's important. Um, and so, anyway, I just think that that's an interesting th- fact that that people so, are can do that church hopping, yeah, because because it's all the same in different ways, and the emphases, the things that are valued, yeah. are all the same. So I think that that happens because we've done this in the in the name of society for the good of society. Right. Churches have come together to be unified around abortion, about human trafficking, these things, which we would say can lock hand in hand with the Catholic Church sure. to say abortion's bad. Sure. You know, I can lock arm in arm with this church to fight right. human trafficking. <clears throat> but I don't think our message has been clear enough denominationally to say, but this is why we are distinct mm-hmm. from the Methodists or distinct right. from Presbyterians or whatever it might right. be. Right. There are reasons that we're distinct from them. That's why we don't worship together on right. Sunday morning. Right. Yes, I can do this with them, but... I can't melt our churches together to have a Sunday service together. Right. It's not going to work. Sure. We don't agree. Right. 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 On these things. Now, I might even still be able to say, I will call them brothers and sisters in the Lord. Right. But I still can't. We're still not going to have, yeah. we have some distinct right. things. And right. I think, hope, <laughs> even in pastors' minds, I think it's been become yeah. wishy washy. Mm-hmm. But I think at a time, the pastors and church leaders knew what was happening, but the general public didn't, and it wasn't explained good enough. And so now it's just become this whole mirage of like, yeah. I don't know, '60s culture of let's all just love each other and <laughs> sing kumbaya. It's kind of where we ended up. And we're all we're all good. Ecumenical cluster. Yeah, and it's not. I mean, that's just right. that's just not the case, or at least it, it shouldn't sure. be. So, so, do you guys think there's a difference between having a critical eye? and a discerning ear like where's the yeah. where's the line between yeah. you know criticalism and actually having discernment right yeah and eventually he'll say that uh, at the at the end here he'll say that he says we we need to be um doctrinally focused he says and that's what you know that's mm-hmm. what we need to be focused on yeah. real doctrines but but what it's interesting right the things that people church hop for i rarely hear people say well, it's because they have a certain understanding of right. the person of Christ, right? Or they're, you know, like like you know, they have a they have a different understanding of what baptism does than I do. It's really not usually that right. way. It's because, like what Tim was saying, it's usually the, the pastor. Same, yeah. It's the it's the personality of the pastor, the style and content of the, the message, yeah. and then whatever experience yeah. I'm getting in the worship service. Yeah. I'm usually not getting, um, you know. Their, their critiques of, of real theological issues. Yeah. It's usually much more shallower than that. Yeah. But there are those who critique... Or they've got those programs for There them. are those who critique everything. 
Right. Yes. Like, yes. As a pastor or a leader, you know, after this message, no yeah. matter what I do, right. this person's going to have a nitpicky thing about right. the way yeah. I said Daniel. Maybe I didn't say it right or something, you know, or <laughs> I didn't reference the seven stars or something that was mentioned in something somewhere along right. the way. Right. And that's bad. Like, right. that's yeah. right. overblown sure. bad. Right. Yeah. Right. But. I, I don't have a problem personally when members come up to me and have questions, you know, or, mm-hmm. and you can see they're like, you said this, but I didn't really get it. Or I don't know if that's really right. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like we can have those well, conversations. And, and, and that's also though, taking the, the, the attitude of, I want to learn. Sure. And I'm trying to understand here mm-hmm. instead of just, I'm here to let you know what you're, what you're doing wrong. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. tell me what you're doing and I'll tell you where you're wrong. Yeah. And, and I think <laughs> we've all met people like that in the church. Absolutely. Um, that, that basically have that perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Um, so he goes through here then. He says he's going to go through t- two churches, he says, that are nearby the Christian, and, and he says, I'm going to go through these two churches. I want to tell you, maybe we can send him to one of these other places. The first church he he describes as, as this. He says, at the first of these, the vicar, which is like the pastor, is a man who has been so long engaged in watering down the faith to make it easier for a supposedly incredulous and hard-headed congregation that it is now he who shocks his parishioners with his unbelief, not vice versa. Hmm. First of all, he says this guy, this, this pastor at this church, has been watering down the faith in order to make it easier for people to understand. Um, and so eventually now, his, it's, the congregation is more shocked by his lack of faith and conviction about <laughs> Christianity being true than the other way around. I think we see churches like this all the time. Um, and this kind of talks, I think, plays into what we were talking about earlier about some of the things that are attractive to people who do go church hopping, particularly. Um, we have many of these congregations that are trying to make Christianity. They're playing on the fact that people, like you said, want to know, how is this going to help me in my week? But one of the problems is, is they can try to make Christianity easier. And in a, and what they do is they start watering down the faith. Hmm. And it simply becomes, here's 10 principles for how you can go and enjoy your job this week. Yeah. Or here's 10 principles for you to apply to your family life. So one of the things we hear today is we hear churches say, we want to make Jesus famous. It's a big right. line that I hear. I just, I'm not a fan of it because I feel like, People who are wanting to be famous usually are willing to give in in a lot of things, mm-hmm. or they're going to be the next church that we talked about, and they're just famous on how shocking they are mm. with the crazy things that they say sometimes. Mm. And so, yeah, you see this watering down to where it's like, hey, all are welcomed here, which in the message I preached this week on reconciliation, we, we said that. We right. want sinners to come in here, right. but what I don't expect is a sinner to feel comfortable then in here right. by the message. Right, right. A sinner should understand you are a sinner. When we're singing these songs, they're going to feel uncomfortable because they don't understand what we're singing about. Mm-hmm. They, don't, they don't have eternity in their hearts with God, right? They haven't been saved by his grace. And so right. this stuff is going to be very confusing to them. Mm-hmm. We trust God will use those things right. to open their eyes to the truth. But they're not going to feel comfortable what a lot of churches, a lot of, man, a lot of uh, training that I've been in as a pastor teaches to make people as comfortable as possible, all people, and more so the guest hmm. than the member of the church, you know, to making cookies, leaving cookies. On, I remember I went through a thing. They said, get their address so when they get home, they have cookies on their front porch when mm-hmm. they get there. I understand what's going on there, the nice gesture, 
but it just seems like a little backwards Mm. at times. And when you, I've seen people before too that I've respected, you know, and you can see them start slipping into this Mm. to the point to where it gets to their, they're questioning faith. They're questioning everything. And it's where, well, who is a Christian? I don't know. You know, right. I think a lot of people. (laughs) Right. Well, and I think there is a truth that people who come into our churches from outside should feel somewhat alien. Yeah. They should feel that way. And we say that, but they should feel welcomed. Well, yeah. And like, they should feel, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, but but it should feel warm. The people should feel kind to them. But the message, yeah, should feel very Jesus, Jesus, foreign to Jesus is welcoming and says, come to me. Yeah. But he also, at the same time, made those people feel uncomfortable because we're sinners yeah. and he's not. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so it's just, just natural. Whenever you're in God's presence, <clears throat> you should feel somewhat uncomfortable. But that should be what Paul says, right? People should then fall on their faces and say, well, God is here. Yeah, wasn't it right after he fed the 5,000 or whatever, he turns around and he says eat of my flesh, drink right. of my blood, and then right. they all leave. Right. Like, oh, <laughs> you know? This guy's kind of crazy. This guy's <laughs> So he says here, again, he says about the even the services that this guy conducts, he says, in order to spare the lady all difficulties, again, he says he has deserted both the lectionary, which was like the, in the Church of England, would be like the appointed readings of the scripture, and the appointed psalms, and now, without noticing it, revolves endlessly round the little treadmill of his 15 favorite psalms and 20 favorite <laughs> lessons. So he sees what, he does what's happening here at this church is, again, the pastor is trying so hard to make Christianity mm. easier and to remove all difficulties that actually the people are never going to hear anything new. Mm. They're just going to hear the same thing that the pastor wants them to hear, which is yeah. just his favorite little lessons all the time. Yeah, and, and he's going to interject those into any scripture that he opens. Right, right, right. Right. I mean, there's a guy in Houston, Texas, that you can turn on TV every day, and you'll find this. Mm. I mean, you don't even have and to go every, that far, honestly. If right. you listen to just a lot of sermons in mm-hmm. general, I mean, this is one of the reasons here we try to go through scripture verses right. and books, yeah. to so we right. can't. You can't avoid, you know, you can't avoid things. You have to talk about what is this passage speaking to, mm-hmm. and right. even ourselves. You know, we've had people come up, hey, why don't we talk about this in? You know, I haven't heard you preach on this particular topic mm-hmm. yet. And it's like, well, Galatians didn't bring that up. Right. Or the book of Ruth, you right. know, mm-hmm. or hey, whatever book we're yeah. in, it's like yeah. we're getting ready to do Ephesians and go through Ephesians. It's like we will try to hit what's in there. Mm-hmm. Right. And inevitably, as a pastor, your personality comes out some and things, you know, that you go through in life are definitely going to come out some. We're not saying that, but... Man, can you imagine how easy it would be to be a pastor who had 15 to 20 sermons and that's just, you just rotated them. I mean, just, that'd be really easy. <laughs> Make your job pretty simple. <laughs> there are pastors like that. I know, that's what okay. I mean. That's, that's, what that's so <laughs> easy. That'd be, that'd be yeah. such an easy job. Right, right. Give the same thing. But the Word of God, yeah. It, the Word of God is not able then to penetrate because the Word of God's not even being brought up. Yeah. It's not even being talked about. It's not even being read. Mm. Um, and so that's what happens at this one church. The second church, he said, is, uh, has a Father Spike. And it's interesting here, and I want to bring this up because at the very beginning of the book here, uh, Lewis tells us that um, before we get into the letters, he writes here and says that um, not everything that Screwtape says is true about people. And 
he says in, at the very beginning of the preface, Lewis says, not everything that Screwtape says should be assumed to be true, even from his own angle. I have made no attempt to identify any of the human beings mentioned in the letters, but I think it very unlikely that the portraits, say a father Spike or the patient's mother, are wholly just. There is wishful thinking in hell as well as on earth. So I say that because when we come to read this, this is about Father Spike, and Lewis has told us at the beginning of the letter that even whenever you read this, don't think that Screwtape is giving you the truth about what this guy is about because um, he describes this, this pastor who in reality is described at the very end as a believer, a mm-hmm. real believer in these things. He says, don't actually um, believe everything that Screwtape says about him. So I think it's very important in how we, how we read, um, read what he says here. But he talks about this pastor. And he says, the humans are often puzzled to understand the range of his opinions. Why, he is one day almost a communist, and the next not far from some kind of theocratic fascism. One day a scholastic, and the next prepared to deny human reason altogether. One day immersed in politics, and the day after declaring that all states of this world are equally under judgment. We, of course, see the connecting link, which is hatred. The man cannot bring himself to preach anything which is not calculated to shock, grieve, puzzle, or humiliate his parents and their friends. So, it's interesting. This guy preaches stuff that's not always comfortable to listen to. Mm-hmm. But that makes me wonder, especially reading the preface, if in some ways this guy's actually just not being more faithful because he's hitting on both sides. He's hitting people that think that he should be preaching from about the left side of the political spectrum and on the right. So one day he sounds like a communist. The next day he sounds like a theocratic fascist. Mm-hmm. One day he sounds like a scholastic, always talking about learning, and the next day he seems to be attacking human reason altogether hmm. because the Word of God cuts across all of those things. And so I think that's, um, that's interesting. He says we should, um, there's this guy, and eventually he says, um, <clears throat> the problem though, he says at the very end, is that he actually is a believer. He really believes, and this may yet mar all. So that's the second church. Not so you got the one who's really making it very easy, really almost denying the faith. And this guy who seems to just be a shock, shocking preacher, but I think probably in reality is, is actually more of a, a sincere Christian than the other. I think that what you're saying is true, but I mean, I also can think of churches who I would say fit into this shocking thing and they just are shocking to be shocking mm-hmm. or even, sure. or even rude yeah. sure. at times, sure. you know, where there doesn't seem to be a real love for people mm-hmm. at all. It's more of a, I can't wait for you to get yours type of pastor <laughs> right, right. that you would hear. You know, you hear it with some of the prophetic people who mm. say they're prophetic, right? And right. they're uh, always casting big judgment and and things are going to be terminated or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. that's usually what you hear. Or end time people who are always just focused on end times all the times. And it's like they're trying to be shocking to shock people into this realization of what is happening and what is taking place. And that becomes their 10 to 15 sermons, right? right? Everything right. falls back to that right. all the time. And they might read a passage of Scripture, but then they go off on these tangents mm. uh, on these other things, and nobody ever really mm. learns anything. And so I get what you're saying, and I think you're right, because if you rightly divide God's Word and you speak, I think, it truth, you're going to um, hit everybody, right. 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 You're going to step on everybody's toes. And if the right. pastor is doing it right, he's going to step on his own right. as well. Right. As God convicts him mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. shows him his sin that he's struggling with. Right. So, 
uh, yeah, I could see it going both ways, I right. guess, with the shocking thing. Right. Yeah, the Word of God cuts across all, all categories um, of people. Um, the last thing he says, though, and, and this is the last part of this, uh, this letter here. He says um, that actually, though, both these churches, he calls them party churches. And what he's talking about here is we want him to be, if we can't keep him out of the church, we want him to be violently attached to some party, to some group, um, to some uh, subdivision within the church that we can. And he says, whenever I'm talking about this, I don't mean the doctrines, the real doctrines of the faith. I'm not mm -hmm. talking about that. But he says the real thing that we can do, he says the real fun is working up hatred between those, and of course he's talking here at the Church of England context, and maybe maybe even uh, people who are Anglicans or Catholics. He says the real fun is working up hatred between those who say Mass and those who say Holy Communion, when neither party could possibly state the difference between, say, Hooker's Doctrine and Thomas Aquinas's in any form which would hold water for five minutes. So he's saying, I think we can disagree maybe with, with whatever, you know, obviously we're not Catholics, so mm -hmm. we don't believe in, mm -hmm. in the Mass, but... What he is saying is that sometimes simply verbiage and the terms we use mm -hmm. um, can be used to divide Christians yeah. and divide people. If it, and, and if that is really the case, if it simply works. Now, if it's really doctrine, then we should divide. Um, but if it is simply um, differences in in, um, in, yeah. in verbiage, then that then that's one thing. But isn't the point that someone can just know enough? about those two separate things to sow dissension? Like, isn't that the mm -hmm. point that he's getting at? Um, yeah, I think he says, you know, the reality is that if you would ask them, then what's the difference between Mass and Holy Communion? He, yeah. sa he says a lot of, most of these people couldn't even give right. a true definition. But yet they're sowing but dissension yet they're, But yet they're the upset two. about it. <laughs> now, if they can, like, so for instance, there's a reason why, like, I personally would never want to say Mass. Yeah. Because it's not simply because it's a, nom you know, a term. Yeah. There's something different happening here. Right. Right. Um, and I do think this is where we would probably want to come here. And you eventually see it here with Lewis's um, Anglicanism here, um, <clears throat> which I think we would, uh, depending on what church denomination you come from and how you read the scriptures, what is to you indifferent, in other words, things that are negotiable, mm -hmm. are going to be different based upon what you think the Bible requires of you. So one of the things mm -hmm. he says, and all the purely indifferent things, candles and clothes and whatnot, are an admirable ground for our activities. Hmm. But that assumes that we agree that these things are indifferent. And that's where different churches are going to have sincerely different understandings of what's indifferent. To some churches... It's not an indifferent thing to use even an instrument in worship. To other churches, it is. So we're um, talking more like not not elements, but forms and circumstances that they're well, that they're focusing on. Well, so yeah, I'm, I'm talking in terms of worship, right? No, they so they would yeah. I think to some people, like for instance, the use of a piano, right, would would be such an essential thing. You yeah. would say you can't use that. Or for other churches, yeah. they would say, well, that's indifferent. I just think that whenever we read this, it, it's interesting um, because Christians are going to have differing views mm -hmm. on that. Right. And, and we just have to be okay with that. But at the same time... <clears throat> but Wormwood is saying, get the patient to talk about those things. Indifferent things. Yeah. Indifferent things. Right. Yeah. So, um, and only focus upon those things. Yeah. So, I don't know what that would be for us today. Um, 
whether or not we did three songs or four songs. Yeah. Whether or not, um, you know, we had two Carp- scripture readings or one. Yeah. Carpet whether you, color. Whether you kept the lights on or you dimmed them down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So different things like that. Um, cause we him. didn't have bulletin this week. Right. <laughs> we have bulletins. So, anyway, I think it's interesting. He says that's where we need to stir up division hmm. and controversy in the church. Um, in, in those areas. And those are all fruitful areas for reflection upon what God requires of us in worship and uh, what we're free um, within our liberty to do. Okay. Well, let's close it down there. Let's wrap it up. Um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you guys for talking with us today. And uh, it's been fun. Hope you've been enjoying that. And uh, hope it's been beneficial to you. Thanks so much. Take care and God bless. God bless.